Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to another episode here on Aphrodite's Oracle. My name is Valerie. Thank you for clicking today. And we are talking about step three of the process of spiritual alchemy. And this stage is called separation. I'm also recording this during the coronavirus pandemic. And of course, I wanted to understand etymologically why we were calling this pandemic the coronavirus. Because as I've talked about here before on this podcast, corona means crown. It's the Latin word for crown or garland or what we picture when we think of ancient Greek gods and goddesses. They have the laurel leaves, uh, the garland, the crown around their head. And a corona is also a glowing circle of light around an object. So the, the sun has a corona and you can see it when we have a solar eclipse. So in general, this word means a ring of light. And according to a little bit more of my research, it's called, they're calling it corona because microscopically, the virus has um, like little points on it, like a crown would. But I thought it was interesting too to relate this to the crown chakra or the chakra that's on the top of our heads. And this is the chakra or the energetic vortex that connects us to divinity. It connects us to source, spirit. It's the chakra that gets stimulated during meditation and etymologically i found it interesting that we are calling this the coronavirus and i wanted to just take a second to acknowledge all of that information and to encourage everyone to be good to your crown chakra and we do this through thinking our own thoughts and not allowing other people or other mediums to encourage us to think a certain way. It's called being sovereign, having your own stance and your own opinion on a topic after, of course, educating yourself on it. So we protect our crown chakra by understanding that we do have divine wisdom within us and available to us at all times. And also there are certain foods we can eat to protect our crown chakra and those are any of the naturally purple or dark blue foods. So you have like blueberries, wild blueberries are the best, blackberries, uh, purple cabbage, what else? Grapes, anything that's purple or dark blue in color is nourishing for the crown chakra. The ancient sages since the time of Alexandria, and Alexandria is still a city in Egypt, but there was a time when Alexandria was the largest and most prosperous city in the world. And since that time, alchemists and mathematicians and historians and philosophers and scholars have flocked to Alexandria to study personal transformation. And that's actually what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual alchemy. We're talking about transforming ourselves from this, this base metal or this gross substance or bulky, and we are refining it to the highest stage of refinery, which is symbolized allegorically as 
gold, but it is also the highest vibratory emotions like love and peace. And just so you guys know, um, the substance of gold, the actual substance of pure gold is spiritually powerful. So I have a, I have an ear piercing. It's called the Daith, uh, the Daith piercing in my left ear. And I chose to purchase a 100% pure gold earring to have in that piercing. Now, I have a lot of other jewelry that's either gold plated or gold filled, but this is purely cast out of gold, this earring. And I, I have it there because this piercing is called the piercing of knowledge because it takes a, um, a very skilled piercer to do it correctly and to give it the right look and to not hurt the person. And so I chose this earring made out of pure gold so that I would always be touching my body and I would always have that higher vibration of pure gold right next to my skin. And so if you have any jewelry, even if it is gold plated, it does raise your vibration having that on you. So Alexandria was a hub for people looking to advance spiritually on their path. And it was founded in 331 BCE by none other than Alexander the great and one thing i find really interesting is the library at alexandria supposedly contained books and scrolls of ancient wisdom and one of the rumors amongst historians is that mark anthony gave Cleopatra, 200,000 books for this library. And I think that that is so romantic. So the reason I say this is because since 331 BCE, people have been looking for this recipe for soul refinement. And that brings us to these steps, this spiritual alchemy, this, this process of spiritual alchemy. And even in more modern times with people that we know and revere as great scientists or astronomers, people like Isaac Newton. Well, it was found in 1936 when his journals were auctioned off that Sir Isaac Newton was much more interested in alchemy than he was in mathematics. Of course, he found how this is all intertwined, but so much of his work was about this spiritual refinement. Alchemy is the art of transforming energies, transforming one into the other. And in the process, you transform the existing substance into something new and ideally exalted or far beyond what it was to begin with. The external alchemy was practiced by people that tried to harmonize the external forces of the elements, literally, to transform matter into what they believed to be its purest form, which we already talked about, that's, uh, that's gold. And there is some truth to that. In fact, there is, there is a lot of truth to that because gold is such a high vibrational metal. And there are legends like that of Nicholas Flamel, who I've talked about before. There are legends of people who have succeeded in this process, but 
It came to be known as sort of a caricature or a pseudoscience because people were failing. But what was failed to be addressed here is that this process was a continuous search for transformational harmony through understanding and reflection and continued transformation. So separation, this step three is the process of allowing buried thoughts and emotions to come to the surface so that we can become conscious of them. Okay, that's been the process so far. And here we are isolating and identifying sources of pain within us that are blocking us from healing and thus blocking us from reaching our highest potential here as humans. So internal alchemy is the alchemy of the spirit. It is practiced by sages trying to gain mastery over the self through a journey of self-awareness, understanding, and compassion, and so much more. These sages were purifying their inner selves and transforming it, transforming themselves to achieve the purest form of spirituality. Alchemy is uh, the great work. It is a process of separation, transformation, and integration. Alchemy is an accelerated pathway to self-mastery and self-realization. It is a pre-scientific, spiritual, and philosophical interpretation of life and it encompasses the physical, the emotional, and the mental aspects of the human being. It is actually a quite elegant worldview that is still relevant in contemporary life. And in fact, I would argue it's even more relevant. So there are many ways to articulate this dynamic process. And there are many analogies throughout religions and cultures. Alchemy is a process-oriented path emphasizing awareness of internal experience over external striving and emphasizing a connection with the sacred. To step into this journey will demand honesty with self, responsibility with self, and an overarching desire to live life on a spiritual path so more than just simply developing yourself as a person, with alchemy, we transform chaos into order. So we take the gross and we refine it to the subtle. It's this refinement process that happens over and over again throughout lifetimes that is the process of alchemy. We live life in terms of our alchemical story, which makes meaning possible. Literal events become metaphorical reenactments, deepening the events of our lives into meaningful experiences. As above, so below. Uh, that's a quote from Hermes Trismegistus. And it's also the cornerstone in Hermeticism and so many of the more magical, mystical religions like Druidism or even Wicca. This as above, so below unites us with the sacred, with uh, the divine. We are involved with the world in a new way. And we're no longer inhibited by this sort of reductionist culture that tells us we're bad, just intrinsically for being human. Carl Jung expressed that art is a healing response to collective cultural norms. This 
alchemical art connects the individual psyche to esoteric history and the occult or the hidden and this rhythm and balance and synthesis of perception is a result of the purifying of the soul and we would get down and you're purifying and you're purifying and you're removing everything that's blocking you from realizing your divinity and when you finally do you realize that we're all one consciousness and that's the elegance of it so this this third step is separation and separation is the stage where we make our thoughts and emotions become more defined because we begin isolating and deciphering them from other thoughts. The process of separation involves truly becoming aware of our authentic feelings for a person or for ourselves. In this stage, we honestly experience our anger, our frustration or disappointment towards another person or towards ourselves rather than reverting back to the old habit of, you know, dutifully trying to forgive and forget because it is quote unquote the right or comfortable thing to do. Separation is closely entwined with shadow work because in shadow work, we allow all feelings and thoughts within us to surface side by side. This helps us to isolate particular elements of our character in order to honestly see them and assess them. Shadow work. Okay, there's a lot to talk about here, but the shadow is a psychological term for everything that we cannot see in ourselves. Exploring your shadow can lead to greater authenticity, creativity, energy, and personal awakening. This introspective process is essential for reaching mature adulthood, which is actually rarer than you might think. And mature adulthood has nothing to do with age. The shadow is the dark side, okay? The dark side of our personality because it consists primarily of negative, primitive human emotions. And these are impulses like rage or envy, greed, selfishness, and the striving for power. The ancient Greeks understood the need to honor all parts of the psyche. For them, these parts were worshipped as autonomous gods and goddesses because the Greeks knew a god or a goddess that was ignored became the one who turned against you and destroyed you. So in any part of ourselves that we disown, it turns against us within us and that becomes your shadow. The personal shadow represents a collection of all of these parts that we have disowned. So here's the problem. The shadow can operate on its own without our full awareness. It's as if our conscious self goes on autopilot and we do things that we wouldn't normally do or voluntarily do and later we regret this if we catch it even, and we say things we wouldn't normally say, and our facial expressions express emotions that we don't consciously feel, but the shadow underneath our consciousness or the subconscious is being expressed even though we don't know it. So remaining unconscious of the shadow hurts our relationships with our spouses, our family, our friends, and it could impact our 
professional relationships as well as our leadership abilities. So what happens to all of the parts of ourselves that we sweep out of view? Well, here it is. Whatever qualities we deny in ourselves, we see in others. And in psychology, this is called projection. We project onto others anything we, that we bury within us. So if, for example, you get irritated when somebody is rude to you, it's, a, it's probable that you haven't owned your rudeness that's within you. So it's important to say that this doesn't mean that the person isn't being rude to you. They probably are. However, if rudeness wasn't in your shadow self, somebody else exhibiting that behavior wouldn't bother you so much. So in this way, we are mirrors for each other. And it's really important to acknowledge that what bothers us about somebody else might be inside of us somewhere and it is worth taking a look at and that is what we're doing here with separation. So usually this process doesn't happen consciously. We are not aware of our projections until we start working with, with spiritual alchemy and that's when we start having that awareness and that's what's happening in step three, steps one, two, and three. These psychological projections distort our reality and it creates a thick boundary between how we view ourselves and how we are actually behaving. Robert Johnson said, unless we do conscious work on it, the shadow is almost always projected. It is laid neatly on someone or something else so that we do not have to take responsibility for it. I have mentioned before on this podcast how opposite emotions seem to be just that, opposite and therefore unrelated. However, it seems they are actually completely reliant on each other for definition and how they are, and they're actually extreme ends of the same spectrum or continuum. We can find the best example of this in the love, hate, war, and peace dynamic on this spectrum this continuum. We have love on the extreme left and hate on the extreme right. Next, we visually picture this and we see the line connecting the two feelings. This is where we can recognize the origin of the saying, there is a fine line between love and hate. Well, this is why, this continuum. And between these two emotions, love and hate, there are a variety, of course, of less intense emotions. You are the alchemical vessel and the contents of your psyche is the object of transformation so you can realize your potential. There are deeper dimensions of soul and spirit that go beyond the gratification of our ego. So why do this? Why look at ourselves in such a way that seems to be painful? And we're going to find out so much about ourselves that could possibly really shake who we think we are. Well, a woman named Connie Zweig said that the rewards are profound because shadow work, or this step three, enables us to alter our self-sabotaging behavior so that we can achieve a more self-directed life, end quote. I'm going to read what I wrote in my book. The Beauty Alchemist, which is available on Amazon. Uh, chapter three 
separation. If you have any prior experience with spiritual work, this step is closely related to shadow work. The third step is where we sort through our thoughts and emotions. We become truly aware of our authentic feelings. We face our inner anger, sadness, and frustration. We face off with our shadow self. In this work, we do not have the luxury of dealing with these things the way we may have been before by working too hard, eating too much, spending too much money, abusing drugs, sex, or alcohol. No, this time we must unwind the habits and allow them to literally come out of the shadows and into the light. Doing this will isolate particular elements of our personality, of our personality that need to be honestly assessed and viewed objectively. So to be successful here, it's important that we, number one, cultivate self-compassion. Before you get to know your shadow, it is helpful to cultivate a sense of unconditional friendliness with oneself. In Buddhism, it's called Maitri. There's a word for unconditional friendliness with yourself. Without this friendliness and self-compassion, it is really hard to look at our darker stuff. So if you're hard on yourself, when you make mistakes it's even more difficult to confront your shadow. Second thing we can cultivate is self-awareness. Seeing the shadow requires a self-reflective mindset or the ability to reflect and observe our behaviors, our thoughts, and our feelings. Mindfulness meditation helps to foster non-judgmental awareness or the ability to stay aware of the present moment without involving the inner critic or other modes of judgment. Third, we need to be uh, courageously honest. Self-honesty and integrity are prerequisites for this shadow work. It, true self-honesty means being willing to see unpleasant attributes in our behavior and our personality, but also it's being able to see our positive qualities as well. It's often very uncomfortable to do this the shadow work these are disowned parts of ourselves for a reason and this is why the ego invests so much energy in repressing these qualities and lastly number four we can record our discoveries so it's pretty fascinating when you think about how our disowned parts want to remain so hidden similar to how a dream slips out of our mind right after we've woken up most of the time I've been having some crazy dreams lately, so I've been remembering them. But you know that feeling where you just can't quite remember your dream? Well, these disowned parts can have a certain quality to them, similar quality. And if you use a journal to write down your discoveries about yourself, it helps us to remember and, and sort of stay the course. So if you write down your insights and review them, you can help to embody your discoveries into your new awareness of self. So those were four um, helpful hints on how to be more successful on step three. And remember guys, this is a process and depending on our life experiences and the journey that our souls wanted to take during this lifetime, some of us have bigger shadows than others. But the really interesting part about having a big shadow is that when you're done transmuting all that, you have an even bigger light, which is why when we have, when we carry, the people who carry so much shadow or anger, or sadness, and self-criticism, feelings of unworthiness, 
you're so powerful because once transmuted, you have a greater bulk of emotional awareness or emotional intelligence than you would if you didn't have to transmute all of that, which is why these difficult times in our life or these initiation points are gifts. We really should be thankful for these hardships because they're initiating us to a point to be able to hold more light after the fact. But the key is to go through the process of alchemizing and not holding all of that pain and trauma inside of our bodies anymore. And that's what this process of spiritual alchemy is going to help you do. <clears throat> so remember, if you're somebody who has been through a lot in your life, you have a responsibility to transmute that because you're so powerful. I can't stress that enough. You're so much more powerful having gone through what you have gone through. Okay, so I'm going to end this with another Carl Jung quote. He said that shadow work is the path of the heart's warrior. So that's it, guys. That's everything that I wanted to say about step three, separation. I hope that everyone is taking care of themselves and drinking a lot of vegetable juices and doing yoga and taking salt baths because I know we're all dealing with the effects of the coronavirus and we're separated or we're keeping to ourselves. And I think this can be a great time to go within and come out of this time stronger and more unified than ever. So thank you for listening, guys. And we'll be moving on to step four in the process next week. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, I love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or further information for me. Bye, guys.